Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. All right, y'all, we, we're nine days in. How you doing? No, no, okay, I know, because I've been having conversations with some of y'all, and I've been paying attention to social media, and it was like January 3rd. It's like, 2022 is awful. <laughs> Just give up. Maybe next year. Isn't it funny, like, how we do that? Like, how, and I know, like, in the first nine days of this year, there are so many of us in this room, like, it's already gone sideways. <laughs> Just give me some cheesecake and forget it. All right, let's just, let's just be done. Or there's something that's happened already this, this year that's been dis- disappointing or discouraging, and, and there, it's amazing how quick we are to quit. And look, I'm not saying that, that some of the things that you've already experienced in these first nine days of this year aren't hard. Look at me. In no way am I trying to minimize or diminish or, or anything what you may have experienced because, y'all, listen, there are some people in our community that this week have already took some really hard blows. And so, hear me, I'm not trying to say those things aren't significant in any way, but let me just say, it is too soon to quit. Come on, somebody. It is too soon to quit. It is too soon to give up on what God has for you in the days ahead. And see, because that's what, the enemy wants to strike a blow and then get you to stay there. That's his MO. He wants to let you, he wants to convince you that it's over, that it's done. He, he wants to just make you feel like you have fallen and you can't get up. That was a commercial. <laughs> Sorry. He wants to convince, and that, anybody else, that's where you've been there. Like you fall and the enemy says, see, you did it again. You're never gonna be able to do this. You made that same commitment last year. You didn't keep it then. You ain't gonna keep it now. And if he can give you to give up on yourself, he will also give you, get you to give up on God. And let's just, can we all just declare, no. No, I heard somebody say nope. Let's just say nope. Nope. We're just not gonna do it. Because I, I, this is how we get stuck. And we've just determined this year we're, we're not gonna get stuck. That the word that we're rallying around is forward. And I know you're thinking, Matt, you start talking about forward and there are 75 million COVID cases in three hours. Well, some of, the, some of us got to redefine forward. Some of us got to reestablish what it means to make progress. Because forward doesn't mean everything in your life is going to change all at once. Forward also might mean that not a single circumstance around you changes, but something in you shifts. Something in your heart, in your spirit, in your mind. that the world doesn't change, but how you see it does. How you perceive those circumstances around you. See, some of us need to stop asking God to change everything but us. He's preaching five minutes in today. <laughs> change us. Because that's ultimately what God's been trying to do since the day you were born, is, is change you from who you are to who he wants you to be. From who you are, broken and sinful and and separated from God to saved and sanctified and holy and walking in relationship with him. Like this book is full of God taking people from where they are to where he wants them to be. And that's a process that begins when you're born and does not end until you die. That day by day by day by day, God is trying to transform your heart, your mind into the likeness of his son Jesus. 
He's trying to mold you into who he created you to be. And look at me, he created you to be something. I believe it. You know why? Not because it's just some idea I had in my mind, because everything in this book tells me that's so. And we rallied around this verse last week. It's Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. And when you really soak it up, when you really understand what it means, it's a game changer for your life. Look at it with me. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I want to just leave that verse up again, y'all, for just a little bit. Y'all look at it, read it. You heard me say it, read it. Let it get down, let it get beyond your eyes, just not from your ears, not even just in your head. Let it seep down into your spirit. And I want you to understand all the powerful realities because this is true, that you are not random. You don't exist in this, on this earth just by coincidence or happenstance, that everything about you is important to God, that he formed you, he made you. Before you were in your mama's womb, you were in God's heart. That's true about every human that's ever lived. That God made you for something. He's created you on purpose and with a purpose. And your whole life is him trying to get you to move from your agenda to his purpose. To the life that sometimes we settle for, to the life that we were created for. That's what he wants to do. But purpose is a process. And my question is, are you making progress? Are you making progress? Are you moving daily towards who he made you to be? Are you moving forward toward what you were formed for? You were formed for something. And it wasn't just to do the best you can to keep a roof over your head until you die. There's a purpose that's so much greater than so many of us settle for. A purpose greater than just the, the single life that we have. A legacy that even outlives us. You were created for something bigger, something eternal. And I want this to be the year that you find what you were formed for and you walk in it. Not for a year, not for a little while, but for a lifetime. And I just wonder if some of us somewhere especially in the last couple years, that it's not that we don't know this, it's we know it, but we got stuck. Because over the last couple years, we have been given a lot of good reason to get stuck. But can I say, there was good reason well before COVID ever hit. COVID's just been a good thing to lean into to, get, to kind of justify the stuck. Some of us have been on stuck since 1963, not me, because I ain't that old. But some of us were stuck long before mandates and lockdowns and social, like some of us have been stuck for a while and we know it, but some of us, man, we were rolling. 2019 came and went and 2020 started and it was the year of vision and then we're like, I didn't see that coming. And we just got stuck. I got stuck. I got stuck. If I could describe 2021 in a word for me, it was stuck. I got stuck, I got stale. And I finally realized, like, if I'm going to be the pastor you deserve, I can't stay stuck. If I'm going to be the husband my wife needs, I can't stay stuck. If I'm going to be the father my kids deserve, I can't stay stuck. I got to move. And, and time is moving fast. And, and, and I want to live with this sense of urgency. I got to move. I got to move. And anytime I get stuck, I, there's only one place that can get you unstuck. News flash. The news won't get you unstuck. It gets you more stuck. Social media don't get you unstuck. 
Like this is, God's word is the only thing that can get you unstuck. Testify if you know. Like God's word is the thing that will move you from where you are to where you want to be. That if you want to go from stuck to unstuck, this book has to be a daily part of your life. And maybe the reason why we're stuck is because we don't ever sit with this like we should and lean into it. That's one of the reasons why we're doing Released in the Word. And to me, one of the greatest stories in all of Scripture to kind of help us to kind of get unstuck is the story that is, is of its essence an unstuck story. It's in Exodus where the nation of Israel had been stuck for far too long. That God had, look at me, God had made a promise to Abraham. And that promise was centered around, obviously, Jesus. That God had to pick a people group through which he would bring his son, and he chose Abraham and his line, and he would build the nation of Israel for the purpose of bringing Jesus into the world and making himself known. Y'all with me? Say amen. And so God said to Abraham, Abraham, here you are, childless and in this place, and I'm gonna move you, and I'm gonna build out of you a great nation, and I'm gonna do amazing things through your life, and I'm gonna take you from where you are to this place that I'm gonna promise. But somewhere along the way, God had to put them on pause to protect their progress. We talked about that last week. That there was a famine coming, and so God said, I'm gonna need to put you on pause in Egypt for a little while to protect you, to preserve your progress, because you've come a little way, but if you don't stay in Egypt for a while, this famine's gonna wipe y'all out, and we're not gonna keep moving forward. And then we realize that sometimes God does that, right? To protect our progress, he'll put us on pause. And sometimes that pause is needed, right? But even on pause, there's still movement, come on. But on pause is where we can rest, Sometimes there's some people in the room, God's put you on pause at times in your life to say, you know what, you need to be on pause. You need to rest from these things. You need to take a step back. You need to just sit for a while and grieve and process and wrestle with things. And that pause is necessary. And look at me, I told you last week, if God has put you on pause for a reason, don't let my voice be the one to move you until God says go. Come on. Because some of you in the room, I even had some conversations. I, I, I got a message. It was a single message from somebody this week. It said, Matt, I need to stay on pause. And that opened up a great conversation. And it turns out there's just some things in this guy's life. And he's like, you know, and I said, you know what? You do need to be on pause. But pause is an active pause. Come on. Like, Paul, look at, pause doesn't mean you do nothing. It means you rest from some things. That's good. Like, pause doesn't mean you just sit back and, and do nothing. There, there's some active, active pauses that God puts on your life. There's some things that you need to lean into in that season of pause, or you'll stay there forever. And God's saying, I would have took you off of this pause three years ago if you'd have just done the things while you were on pause I wanted you to. But when we find in the book of Exodus, in the book of Exodus, excuse me, the nation of Israel has been on pause for far too long, and it's time to go. And God would use a man named Moses to be the catalyst to get them unstuck. And there are so many lessons that we can learn from his story. Because when Moses is visited by God and told to go and get the nation of Israel moving, I would submit to you that Moses is probably on pause, that he's a bit stuck. Let's look at it and see what we can learn, okay? Go to Exodus chapter three. Exodus chapter three, pick up with verse one. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse two. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. 
Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I need to check this out. He said, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? Verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here. Like this is one of those stories in the Bible, y'all, like we make it all clean and neat and, and we don't have all the details. But I, I, you ever read the Bible, I'm like, I wonder how this really played out. Moses is just doing his thing, think just his normal, average, everyday responsibilities, and then all of a sudden he looks over and there's a bush on fire. Was that just weird? Maybe there was some people camping out here last night, they lit a fire and they just forgot to put it out. And how long does it take him to realize, that bush has been burning, that, it's been burning all day. He looks at the sundial and says, wait, it's been like four hours. Y'all remember Fred Flintstone had a sundial watch? Y'all know that don't make no sense. Remember the way you move your arm? Anyway. Welcome to Vintage. My name's Matt. <laughs> but is this thing, is, it, is he looking at this, like how long before he realized that bush has been on fire all day? It's amazing the things that God will do to get your attention. And it's rarely in ways that you would plan or expect. And so finally, after who knows how long, and maybe he just walked up thought, this is just a weird thing that this is happening right here in the middle of the day. And he walks up and out and he says, Moses! And we think he just said, here I am. He's like, mm-hmm. What kind of bush is on fire? What's happening right now? And he says, Moses, Moses. Moses, here I am. And in that moment, God begins to unpack his plan for Moses. He begins to reveal what Moses was formed for. That Moses had a purpose and a plan before he was born, just like we do, just like every person who's ever lived. And in this moment, God is revealing that plan to him on the far side of the wilderness, wilderness through a burning bush. And he says, Moses, you're the one. I've been paying attention to what's been happening in Egypt, which you know all about. I've watched the suffering of my people, and it's time to go. It's time to unpause, because that pause was not meant to be permanent. It's time for my people to go. And Moses, you're the one I'm choosing to go get it moving. You're the one, Moses. This is what I want you to do. I've chosen you for this task. I want you to go back to Egypt and tell the elder, gather all the elders and look at them and say, God said it's time to go. And you know what you're, I know what you're thinking. You'd be like, well, if God showed up in the form of a burning bush and talked to me like that, I'd do it too. Like some of us, that's what we think. You know what? Like, Matt, that's awesome. Where's my burning bush? I'm still trying to figure out what I was formed for, and I can't. And if God would show up in the form of a burning bush and say things to me, first of all, you'd be just as freaked out as Moses was. But here's the thing. God doesn't need, you, need to give you a burning bush because he's already given you the Holy Bible. And here's where you find it. We're waiting for a burning bush and not leaning into the Holy Bible, which has the power to reveal his purpose for your life like nothing else. Come on, somebody. That's what this book exists for, to help you discover your purpose, to lean into that, to, to, to reveal the things about who you are and what God. See, you can't know who you are and what he's called you to do until you understand who he is and you learn who he is through absorbing, consuming, and diving into this book. 
Because that's step one, is we got to figure out, all right, all right, who is calling me and what is he calling me to? And he says, I am God and I am calling you to this thing. But what I've discovered is, see, we so often think, Matt, I would do what I want if, if God would just show me. Can, I, can we be honest in church? I feel like more often than not, it's not an issue of clarity, it's an issue of courage. It's not that you don't know what God has called you to do, it's like you are so scared to death of it, you don't wanna step forward. And Moses, in this moment, he cannot deny who is calling him and what he is calling him to. But what's standing in the way of him moving forward is not wondering who's calling or what he's calling to, is feeling unworthy of the calling that he's receiving. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's where most of us find ourselves. Come on, y'all look at me. It's not that we don't know who's calling us or what he's calling us to. It's that we've heard his voice and we don't feel worthy. Come on. We don't feel worthy. And, and, and Moses' response reveals to me that he does not feel worthy because his response is so familiar because it's the same thing that I've said to God when I've heard his voice in my life so frequently. He says, Moses, very clearly, Moses, I am God. I'm calling you to this. This is what I want you to do. You're the one I've handpicked. You're the one that I've formed for this task. Go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, tell my people, it's time to get moving. And look at verse 11 of Exodus chapter three. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's a very natural response when God calls with a big, big plan that seems so much bigger than who you think you are. It's easy to look at God and be like, God, why me? Have you ever had that moment? I'm not talking about God, why me, when you get stuck in traffic. <laughs> I'm not talking about God, why me, when things went wrong. I'm talking about when you know like God is calling you to something that's so much bigger than you and has so much eternal significance and is so much greater than anything you think you're capable of, but you know like God is pushing you towards this place to look at God and be like, God, you sure? <laughs> me? If I had a dime for every time I've asked that question, why me? Who am I? And that's a great question. Why Moses? You don't think when Moses finally went back and, and told his father-in-law and told those people who had only known, known shepherd Moses? Like there were so many people, they had only known the, these last, at this point, Moses, we think, is probably around 80 years old when this happens. So that means those of you who are a little bit seasoned, God still has plans for your life. Notice I didn't say old because I'm really nice. Seasoned. God has a plan and purpose for your life. It is never too late, you are never too old. If you're alive, God has something he wants to do in and through your life. Somebody testify, come on. Amen. But you don't think he went back and he said, um, y'all, I was out on the far side of the wilderness and God spoke to me through a burning bush. Like, what else was burning, Moses? Because that seems kind of weird, bro. <laughs> and he told me that I'm supposed to go to Pharaoh, like the most powerful man in the known world and tell him that like all his labor force, you need to let them people go. And they're thinking, Moses, who are you? Because they only know him as shepherd. They only know him as Jethro's son-in-law. 
It's funny how when people have only seen you in one season of your life, they want to pigeonhole you and box you into that single season, and you are more than maybe who they know. They only know the mistakes you make. They only know this small window of your life, and they want to think of you based on that window. God does not look at you through the lens of one single window. He looks at you through the lens of his sovereign will and plan for your life. So who was Moses? Because there have been a lot of things that led up to that moment where he's standing before that burning bush, and God says, you're the one. There have been things that had happened all through his life that he thinks are reasons why not to do this, but are actually the things that have prepared him for this time. See, when Moses was born, it was a time when Pharaoh was fed up. The nation of Israel was growing so rapidly. They were having babies like the people of in church, just everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And Pharaoh said, like, this has got to stop. So what he decides to do is he tells the midwives, when a Hebrew baby is born, if it's a female, let her live. If it's a male, kill him. So all the male babies, kill them immediately. Like, go drown them in the Nile. Don't let them live. That's when... Moses' mom finds herself pregnant. And y'all, they didn't have like ultrasound machine stuff. She didn't know what she was having until it came out. And she has this baby. And look, look at what happens. Go with me. Exodus chapter two, verse one. It says, now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Can you imagine? She has this baby boy that she believes has purpose and potential. But the edict is to let him hand, it, hand him over to the midwife so that he can be murdered. And she just refuses to do it. And for three months, she hides this child. She hides this baby boy to the point where like he can't be hidden anymore. And she has to make a decision. And what she decides is she puts him in a basket and places him in the Nile. And as he floats down, he gets plucked out of the river, not by just any old stranger, but by Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter sees that this boy is this good-looking young man ready to go and do all these things. And, and he actually brings Moses' mom to nurse him and prepare for him. And Moses goes from the brink of death to being raised in Pharaoh's palace. Exodus 2.10, it says, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water and so Moses, not only does he not end up dead, he doesn't grow up as another Hebrew slave. He grows up inside Pharaoh's own house, seeing this empire from the inside. You think that's random? You think God plucking him out of that basket was random? There will be things in your life that seem random, but they are not without reason. You don't have a clue the strategic links God can go to to position you for purpose. I know. My biological mom was a teenager when, I, when she got pregnant with me. The very fact that I was born, I was born in 1978. Roe versus Wade was 1973. The very fact that I wasn't aborted is a miracle. The very fact that I, not only did I have life, but I was plucked from her arms to the home of the two most amazing God-fearing Christian people you've ever met because it was preparing me to stand on this platform. And I believe that with everything in me. You don't know what God's doing to position you for purpose. 
And I think about this, this Moses' mom, how painful it must have been to release her son, but even in her pain, God had a purpose and was positioning Moses for something great. God was at work. And Moses grows up, and we don't know what he knew. We don't know if his, if his adopted mom, Pharaoh's daughter, what all she told him, what all she said. I know you've seen Prince of Egypt and Charlton Heston and all that. We, we don't know what all happened in these moments. But there comes a point when, when Moses begins to take notice of how the Egyptian people are treating the Hebrew people. There would have been multiple times he watches these Hebrew people just brutalized, beaten, mistreated. And there comes a day where he just can't contain himself anymore. And I don't think this was just a moment of passion. I think he had such a burden watching these people be so brutalized that it built and it built and it built till one day. Look at uh, chapter two, verse 11. It says, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. You pick that guy? That's as severe anger management as it gets. Like he sees this Hebrew being beat and Moses is done and he kills him with his bare hands and then buries his body in the sand. That's some 48 hour stuff. But even in that moment, there, you, you see something in Moses. Like he's so burdened and there's such an, an anger for what he's watching. There's such a passion for the injustice that he sees. But here's the thing, if passion gets detached from purpose, it will end up being a problem because you will misuse the passion if it's not guided and aligned with God's purpose. That that righteous anger that he had, that burden he had, that disgust and anger he had for what he was watching unfold with that Hebrew, that was something that God would eventually leverage when he would use him on the other side of the burning bush. But it's something that had to be formed and tweaked. See, there's things in you there are burdens and passions and desires that you have that God wants to leverage, but they'll be misused if they're only for your agenda and driven by your emotion and not God's will and purpose. Say, so, y'all with me? There are things that, there were things that were hardwired into Moses. That, that burden, if anybody was gonna be the one to be called to lead the nation of Israel out of Egypt, it needed to be somebody with a deep, deep burden, Right? We see that evidence in Moses, but it's detached from his, his passion, is detached from his purpose in this moment, and it doesn't serve him well. And we would see this happen again. See, it was this passion that would even propel him forward, because see, eventually Pharaoh hears out about what has happened. Look at verse 15, Exodus 2, 15. It says, when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Verse 16, it says, now a priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. Do you see it? Have you ever noticed that? 
in the incident with the Hebrew being beat by the Egyptian and now with these women who are just trying to water their flocks and here comes these bully shepherds to kind of push them away. You see Moses, he has this defender in him, this protector, this guardian in him to do something. That is something hardwired and created by God in him that God will eventually want to leverage when he gets hold of his heart. See, there are things in you that God wants to use if you would just eventually give him your heart. If you'll give him your heart, look at me, if you'll give him your your heart, he'll use your passion. You ever met people like that? You ever met people you think, man, if God could just get a hold of them, they'd use their powers for good instead of evil. You know somebody like that? You ever met somebody like, man, you're so talented, you're so gifted, you have such a passion, you have so many things, you just need Jesus. (laughs) If Jesus would ever get a hold of your heart, the things that you would do for God's glory. There are people in this room, man, God has gifted you and put some things in you, but you're still holding your heart and you haven't surrendered it to Jesus, and until you do, you will always find yourself misusing those things in a way that leave you empty. But this would also propel him to the place he would eventually be when God finds him on the other side of the wilderness. Verse 18 says, when the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? And they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds and he even drew water for us and watered the flock. And and where is he, Ruel asked his daughters. "Why Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. And Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zephora to Moses in marriage. And Zephora gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom and saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. See, well before Moses is standing on the far side of the wilderness and talking to a burning bush, God had been doing things, trying to do things in his life from its onset. And so when, <laughs> when he looks at God and says, who am I? You know what God says? I know exactly who you are. I've seen every single moment. It's almost like we say, God, who am I? As if God like, do you know me? Have you Have you seen my story? Do you know how big of a screw up I am? Do you know how many people I've disappointed? Do you know how many times I've killed a dude? Not me, Moses. Like, who am I? So when he asked that question, who am I? God said, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what you've done. Look at me. And I still choose you. And I still choose you. I still choose you. You're still the one I want to accomplish this. Because Moses, before you were ever born, before your mom put you in that basket, before you raised your hand to that Egyptian slave driver, before you sat down by that well, this is what I had for your life. And you can't run so far from it. And you can't escape it. This is what I want for you. And God's response, God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Verse 13, and Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and and they ask me, what's his name? (laughs) Who should I tell him? Like Fred, or like who should I tell him? And God said to Moses, I am who I am, this is what you're to say to the Israelites. I have sent, I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, 
Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Like at every turn, like Moses is so resistant, like he's pushing back and pushing back. And at every turn, God's like, no, it's you. It's you. Here's what to do. Here's what to tell him. So finally it comes to chapter four, verse one. Look at it. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? What if they go and they don't believe me, God? Because God, you remember, you're asking me to go back to the place of my greatest mistake. And you know what? Sometimes that's what God does. God says, you gotta go back so you can go forward. I'm gonna take you back to the place that you least wanna go so I can do the thing you most need done. Go back so you can go forward. Go back. He says, well, what, what if they don't believe me? He said, what kind of sign will I show them? And he said, God says, take your staff, throw it on the ground. It'll become a snake. So he throws it on the ground, it becomes a snake. That's me, I'm like, God, you picking that thing up, man. <laughs> and he picks it up and it returns to a staff. And he says, put your hand in your cloak and then pull it back out and it will be as white as ash, like you have leprosy. And then you put it back, pull it back out again and it will be healed. Go dip some water out of the Nile and pour it out and it will be like poor blood. Like God's saying, I got you. You keep coming up with reasons why you can't, and I'll keep telling you why you can. But Moses is fighting it at every single turn. Look at verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, but I, I, don't, I don't talk too good. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And God said, who made your mouth? Who put the tongue in there? Trust me. Trust me. Verse 13, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. It's so clear. There's no question who's calling. Look at me. There's no question of who is calling and what he's asking. And I don't think he's resistant because he doesn't want to. I think he's resistant because he just doesn't feel worthy. I think for him, all he sees are his losses and his limits, and those seem to be enough to make him unqualified. But here's the reality. We all have losses. Look at me. God uses broken people, or he don't use people at all, because all of us are broken. We all have losses. That's why when I look at the Bible, I'm reminded these stories matter to us. Because you know what? You ever noticed the parallel between Paul's story and Moses' story? The most, one of the most significant heroes of the Old Testament and the nation of Israel and one of the most significant people in the movement that Jesus started? Moses killed a guy. Paul had a lot of losses. Paul oversaw the killing of many. When Paul's wrestling with his calling, he has to be reminded. Look at Acts chapter 22, verses four and five. Paul says, I worked hard and killed men and women who believed as I believe today. I put them in chains and sent them to prison. The head religious leader and the leaders of the people can tell you this is true. I got letters from them to take to our Jewish brothers in the city of Damascus, and I was going there to put the Christians in chains and bring them to Jerusalem where they would be beaten. But while I was on the way, Jesus stepped through the clouds and spoke to me and changed my life and pushed me toward my purpose no matter how great my losses. I was standing out in a field believing my life was over and for the rest of my days I would be a shepherd and God through a burning bush said, go! I was sitting in Venice Church one day 
Listen to some crazy guy preach the word, believing that I would stay where I was forever. And God spoke to me in that place and said, go, go, because your losses aren't too great. And neither are your limits. I know you look at your life and you feel limited. But again, God does not look at you through the lens of your limits. He looks at you through the lens of his power. And you think, I would go forward if I could just let go of this limit, if I could just shed this thing, if I could just overcome this thing. And you've been begging God to take it away. And God's saying, no, I'm going to leave it so that you remain dependent on me. He says, hey, it's okay, Moses, that you can't speak very good because I'm going to bring Aaron and I'm going to surround you with the things necessary to fill in your gaps. Paul even got to the place where he begged God to take away what he saw as a limit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, about my limits, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my limits, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's got a plan for your life. And you can try to run from it. Believe me, I know I did. God spoke to me when I was 16 years old and told me clear as day that this is what I would do for a living. And I spent the next two years piling up the losses on purpose. Y'all, I became a professional sinner. You ever had a season like that? Trying to convince God he didn't want me. But he did. If you feel qualified to what God is calling you for, that ain't God. Because I guarantee you, he's going to call you to something that feels so much bigger than you and so impossible for you because that's who he is. There's never been a single time that I've ever stood on this platform where I felt qualified, where I felt worthy, where I wasn't reminded of my losses and my limits. Ain't a single day that I don't walk in this building and think, someday these people are going to figure out who you really are and they're going to stop coming and stop giving and this thing's going to be over. But I'm grateful that God doesn't look at me through the lens of my losses and my limits, but he looks at me through the lens of his sovereign will, which he had in mind for me before the day I was born. And I don't think that's just true about me or Moses or Paul. I think that's true. I deeply believe that's true about every human that's ever existed. God has plan for your life and it is not erased by your losses or your limits it just gives him opportunity to do great things so you bow your heads close your eyes with me I don't know where you are I don't know if you're still in that search of trying to figure out why you exist and what God's calling you to do, but this is what I know. If that's where you are, the path to that answer will be through his word. He will not send you a burning bush. He has given you the Holy Bible. He wants to reveal himself to you through his word and through so many other things. In the power of his Holy Spirit, I hope you find why you are formed. This is what I also know. There's not, the Bible is full of people with greater losses than yours. With things that are just as limiting as you feel like yours are, and he used them too and he wants to use you. 
this is the year to find why you were formed and walk in it. So God, I pray that for every person under the sound of my voice, sitting in this room or watching online, God, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts, God. And I pray that you would give us a hunger and thirst for your word so that we search it in a way that helps us better understand you, who you are so that we can have some sense of who, you are, of who we are and who you've created us to be and what you've asked us to do. And God, ultimately know that the broad stroke of what we're supposed to do is bring honor and glory to your name. And God, I know that none of us feel worthy of walking with you, knowing you, living in relationship with you, much less doing anything great for you. But God, you chose us anyway. And God, I pray that every person that's battling that insecurity and that fear, that you would just speak hope and strength into their lives and remind them that they don't have to resist, but just receive. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if God is doing something in your life, we wanna know. We want to come alongside you. Jump on that Vintage app, follow those steps, hit that respond tab, send those prayer requests in, let us know how we can rally around you as you pursue his purpose for your life. I remind you, in a couple weeks, we're going to baptize right in this room across all three gatherings. If that's your next step forward, make sure you sign up. And of course, we'd love to see you for releasing the word tonight at five o'clock. Thanks for worshiping with us. Give God some glory as you head out. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Vintage Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at vintagechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Vintage Church app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.